My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Transmissions. My guest for this Friday edition of the show is musician and writer Jeffrey Silverstein. His new EP of gently cosmic guitar music is called Tory Gates, and he recently assembled the wonderful It's So Easy When You Know What You're Doing tribute to the late cult folk musician Ted Lucas. It features 80 favorites like John Andrews and the Yawns, Juliana Barwick with friend of the pod William Tyler, Barry Walker Jr., Amelia Courthouse, and many more. He's also a teacher and a runner, and we get into all of that on this special bonus edition of Transmissions. Before we head into the talk, though, you already know the spiel. Please rate and review the podcast. Share it on your social media pages. Uh, Share it via whatever platform you have access to, actually. We count on word of mouth, so if you like the program, please do help us out. And if you want to take your support a little deeper, you can find us on Patreon. Okay, I'll speak with you a little bit more on the other side. Happy Friday. I hope you enjoy this special uh, bonus talk with Jeffrey Silverstein. I know I enjoyed having it. Jeffrey, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on Transmissions. It's a real, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate being here. I want to start off by asking you. Um, I want to ask about the relationship between meditation and music for you, because uh, I have found that they can be pretty similar, similar uh, head spaces. And I wonder if it's if it's uh, similar for you, if it's if it's like that. Yeah, and I've recently been thinking about a lot of the idea. There's so much um, like pressure that you can put on yourself in regards to meditation, um, in regards to like the actual act of like sitting meditation. But something I've focused a lot on recently is just that anytime you are immersed in something, that that is also a form of it. Um, and I think that just kind of links back to my um, attempt to just um, be more uh, aware and in tune of like what's happening around me and also like what's going on, you know, in my own mind. Um, So yeah, I see a ton of overlap and um, I think uh, there's kind of like this cycle of things Um, or this balance of things that I do, I feel like that all kind of tap me into that place. One of them is music. One of them is, is, uh, is running. uh, And one of them is, is meditation. And it's weird. I feel like when I'm, if I'm kind of like firing on all cylinders, sometimes I feel like I can uh, reach a better creative headspace. So if I've kind of carved up the time to like, um, you know, do something healthy for my body and my mind, I find that then making that transition to, okay, now you're going to like enter your sitting and writing a song becomes uh, at least just, just a little easier. You know? Yeah, um, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, well, congrats on the new EP. It's it's great. I think I, I think I pronounced it Tor- Tory Gates on the uh, the radio show. Do I have that correct? You've got it, man. Yeah, I I, I love when that happens. Uh, <laughs> um, well, it's 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 fantastic, and Thank and, you. and I know that you know you've been really 
pretty pretty busy the last couple of years with uh, you know your solo work releasing stuff pretty regularly what is your what do, do you have do you keep uh do you keep something like songwriting hours or anything like that so the whole solo thing still feels new to me i was in either like larger bands or duos mm-hmm. on the on the east coast and a big part of me um, when I moved uh, to Portland from New York, um, I, I just felt like um, I had this feeling of I don't want to wait for like the right band members or like the right moment to start, and I, I kind of just challenged myself to dive in. And sure, and part and part of that was um, getting to uh, be an artist in residence at this um, really neat. Uh, uh, program out out on the coast here um but i don't necessarily keep songwriting hours but i really do at, at the very least try to look kind of like at my week in a glance and depending on how heavy my like teaching schedule is and um just other obligations i i do you know kind of like on the sunday night at least try to think like all right well what are the days where i can uh, at least envision myself having enough time and energy for yeah um, for music um so and and yeah sometimes i will like literally you know write that down on my calendar and other days it's kind of a bonus or a surprise where i'm like hey you you know you you got through all your like your other shit and now you get you know a little more time so Yeah, yeah yeah one of the things that you're known for is that you you have written uh you wrote a great guide for the creative independent to sort of balancing you know work and creative practices you obviously in addition to recording music you you write you you teach uh you run uh these are all like things that you have to have to balance um i'm curious what it looked like having did was that an idea that you pitched the creative independent like hey i want to i want to write about this this thing and and i wonder what it was like for that sort of realization because yeah go ahead (laughs) yeah i'm fascinated by people that hold other professions and also um hold varying degrees of, of music careers yeah. Um, and I think as people's definition of like success changes in regards to music and, and also I think, um, right, just like I think more people reaching stages where maybe even holding other jobs like truly becomes like um, a necessity or I think what's been kind of like beautiful during the past year or so is like hearing about um musicians who have decided to like maybe become teachers or become psychotherapists or, or get to tap into that other part of their identity. Cause I think, I think like tapping into all of that, like supports all of your creative work. I, I, I see a very clear link. Um, and I, um, it's still very much a work in progress for me to balance all of those things. Um, yeah. but I also like, something um it's so cool like the the guys that i play with um uh barry uh walker pedal steel is um, a geology professor and then my bass player alex is a music therapist um and i i just feel like i keep meeting other uh, teachers who are also musicians and yeah that specifically i i obviously get get really excited about but with the creative independent thing um Maybe I just tossed a few ideas back and forth with, um, at the time it was uh, Willa, um, who was the editor there. And um, yeah, I I was so happy that it um, uh, like mattered to people. And and I still get, I still get the occasional, um, you know, Instagram message or email saying like, Hey, like I never thought of that way or, or I never maybe, um, like allowed myself to, you know, to do both. Or I I think there can feel, there can be this really tense moment 
I feel like for musicians where you have, feel like you have to like choose or something. And I don't necessarily know if that's always how it yeah. has to be, how it has to be. Yeah. It's, I think that <laughs> that thing you're, that you're talking about the, the choice where you decide, all right, so I'm, I'm I'm a, like saying I'm a musician is like itself is a choice or I'm an artist. Maybe let's we could broaden it out, you know. To say I'm a teacher makes a certain amount of sense because you're a teacher. You teach. You like you go and you do that stuff. I think there's still a weird thing, at least there can be, where to say I'm an artist like strikes people as uh there's a there's a discomfort with that. And yeah, yeah, and like, I think what you're speaking to is like identity, and I think people have been, you know, for the past year have been grappling with like the, oh yeah, you know, who who am I if I don't right. play shows? Who am like if if I'm a teacher but I'm not in front of students? Am I really that that yeah. thing? Yeah. Um, but I think it, and I think something I tried to. Like I've written, I guess, kind of like two similar guides for the creative independent along that. And I just think it's totally okay to like for you to choose like which of those parts you want to like present first or or in yeah. different ways. And yeah. um, they all matter. And I think I'm a really big um, believer, especially in education, that like people should have other lived experiences and things that they're excited about because kids need to know that you're passionate about something, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, but I, yeah, I, I hope I didn't stray from your point. Um, no, no, not, yeah. at, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am. I wonder about the relationship between teaching and music because there's, of course it's easy enough to say as a teacher, you'd probably have like a leg up on some of the administrative work of being a band leader, you know, like that you can. Exp- that, yeah. Yeah. You can sort of explain to someone per- potentially uh, how something should work or your ideas of what it should work and then provide them a framework. But I have to imagine that it's also very different because, y- well, I mean, I just, yeah, I, sh- I, shouldn't, I shouldn't put a bunch of suppositions on it. Like, wh- what, what is the relationship like for you and how has it changed over the years as you've continued to develop, especially as a solo sort of musician? How has, has work and art how have they intertwined for you? I mean, one thing is that there is nothing scarier than, you know, getting up in front of a bunk a bunch of teens and yeah. <laughs> you know, and and sharing their, you know, cuz cuz right off the bat there's like a power dynamic of you are in the power position and the, you know, um yeah. So right off the bat, you're trying to figure out ways to kind of like level that playing field the same way that when you're on the stage, you know, I think there's like a certain power dynamic that you're trying to like, in my opinion, it's pretty uh, important to try to level that and to let people know that you're kind of, you know, there with them, regardless of of what format that's taking. Um, and that's something that um, I, I've there's uh you know i was so sad to hear about the passing of of miles from akron family mm-hmm. um and there's this i don't know if you've come across this but i think he's performing a solo show in italy and he just has this this beautiful speech uh that he kind of tells the audience about that so i guess um so part of the connection is, is power dynamics part of it is that i think there's a certain confidence that you build um being in front of an audience. I mean, act, teaching is performing. You know, there's the, yeah. I, there's no way to kind of you're you are putting on a a one person or if you're co-teaching a two person act. Yeah. You know, yeah. For however long your blocks of time are, so I think there's some clear links in regards to like confidence of um, of performance. Um, and I think as and I think I kind of like they just both kind of keep. Uh, climbing a little bit for me the longer the longer you do something and that's been cool because um it's it's so wild to finally be at an age where enough where I've actually had enough experiences where I feel like I can look back on things or have some kind of perspective on things whereas when I was younger in bands I could only see myself in like a 
in one way and now i can kind of um, look back in a, in a very different way sure sure yeah yeah how how long have you been teaching this is i guess next year will be like my eighth year teaching i i've always worked in or been involved in music or teaching in some way shape or form my mom was a a special ed teacher for her for many many years um and I tried to actively not be a teacher <laughs> for a little while because I kind of I don't know if I just uh, like linked it with like oh well that's like what my mom did and I don't want to you know like um, yeah and then and then as time went on and I had more like kind of like music office jobs or um, something clearly was just kind of pulling me and drawing me back and and then after. Um, Having, I, I was lucky in that I've had um, positive experiences overall in the schools I've worked at. You know, mm-hmm. you you start off as a teacher and you're in a shitty school with a shitty principal. It's you're going to get out of there real quick. So I'm lucky in that I've had opportunities that have allowed me um, to stay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and be ex- and be and stay excited. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, well, what has this? What has this last? stretch this last year been like has it been a a a really has it been a difficult adjustment or a challenge um so i'm lucky in that the school i'm at now has enough resources where kids learning wasn't um, disrupted in maybe quite the same way that other schools were um but i think only now are we starting to like really understand the the impact of of this year yeah i think we're just inching right now to like i think summertime is going to be like a pretty big opportunity to like genuinely process yeah like last summer we didn't really get to do that because it was still just so it's happening in such a happening. present way and, yeah yeah and so I, I think this and i think i'm i'm excited that educators will have the chance to do that and that everyone i you know i hope will will have the chance to do that um but i think um it's uh, scary to think of all the kind of long-term impacts that that it, that we're going to start to uncover yeah um you know emotionally or developmentally or you know so i'm yeah i trying to just stay hopeful really the best i can you know yeah well, sure, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. and 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 your job probably requires sustaining some of that hope. Uh, otherwise, it does, and and it's tough because like you want it to be authentic hope, and at the same time, sometimes you you just you have to present that way so that the kids who are looking at you know, hey, there's someone that has some, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah. you talked about that performative nature and I mean that, but, but that is part of it. And that is part of what we sometimes have to do for each other is perform hope, oh, you know, because, oh, or, or yeah, absolutely. And like I was, um, uh, it, and that just made me think of, and by the way, I really loved your, uh, your interview, um, with Will Oldham and Matt Sweeney. Thank and, you. Uh, and you know, I, um, I, I talked to Matt recently and, and he kind of talked about like um, how, like how almost how he's learned to kind of like fake confidence in certain ways. Right. Like he's, you know, stepping into these like unbelievable high profile scenarios, you know? Right. Um, right. And yeah, you kind of, you kind of realize like, yeah, you do have to do, yeah, it does have to be a little bit of a performance, but then if you, if you can do that, then I think that kind of like, eventually they kind of like it like rounds out but then where then you're just doing it in a real way yeah like so it's 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 kind of like when the beastie boys pretended to be jerks uh and then they went on tour and they found that they were they had become the jerks that they were goofing on you know they were (laughs) like yeah yeah we're the we're the jock jock assholes now um but no, yeah. I, but th- but that's right. And Sweeney's an interesting guy, right? Because he is in these positions where you have to go in and and you know what you have to do is is I guess I've certainly never played on like a 
Kid Rock <laughs> session or anything. But I, I think, know, I but know. you know, but I think you probably do have to present to everybody that I'm here to to help make this better. And uh, and and you know, one of my favorite talks that I've done for the podcast was when I talked with um, Shazad Ismaili, who's worked with everybody. And and one of my favorite things he said about collaboration is that you you being a good collaborator requires the willingness to lead and the willingness to be led. And I was, I was very like, I was very moved by that because it does make a lot of sense. And, and as a teacher, you have to embrace the willingness to lead a little bit because you're there to provide some structure for people and to help and to help ease people into a space where they're able to learn things and able to grapple with new information and distill it and all that. So that's a pretty interesting thing. Yeah. 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 Making that, um, making that space in that room is, is really, is really important. And it just made me on like somewhat of a similar note. I was, um, I'm like a enormous Kelly Reichard fan. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I've actually, I've actually been, talking a lot about how watching old joy many, many years ago, I think is actually the thing that like put this like small bit of info in my mind that like one day you will live in Portland. Like oh. I think it kind of, is, but in, in the a 24 podcast, like I've been trying to listen to like at least a little bit more like non music related things here and there. Yeah. Um, and she talks about how in film and I, I just never thought of this because I don't like process film maybe in that way where, you know, you, you have an actor in mind for a part and, and you think that that actor is going to become more like the character you have in mind as you go along. When in fact, what winds up happening is that character becomes more of just their selves in yeah. their life. And, and when she said that, I, I you know, it's a fairly simple enough concept, but that kind of just stopped me dead on my tracks a little, you know? Like, yeah. I, I love when that yeah. happens. And I love, yeah. <laughs> I, I love like a, I love somebody like Kelly Reichardt who, who says things like that and, and, and makes you realize things that you, that are self-evident or seem evident once you hear them, but you didn't know. Um, until they until they did first cow was the last movie that i saw in a theater right before the pandemic so um i was very i felt very fortunate to have seen that one before the lockdown man i'm jealous yeah i I was just thinking i'm like did i get to see that in the theater and i was like no i had to i think i I rented that one yeah uh but another another classic another classic oh my yeah so Uh, well so when did you move when did you move to portland when did you move to the from the from from did you move from uh, Brooklyn to to Portland? Yeah, from Brooklyn. My wife and I have been here. A- August will be four years, and we were in Brooklyn for six years before that. And um, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, went to school, and stayed in Baltimore for a while. That was kind of like my first um attempts at, at being in bands and touring and, and uh, being a part of a music community yeah um which was which was huge for me and then um so it's kind of interesting i, I feel like um i i think I, there was a moment in baltimore where i was perhaps craving a, a larger city and maybe um making that type of change and then i think you know after six years in new york portland has felt like this really nice kind of uh coming back to a smaller city but but in a very different way um yeah and there's kind of aspects of of baltimore here that that i love um and yeah um i think all cities or or just anywhere has right the past year and change has been like i think you develop a different relationship with the place you live you know sure um but but that being said we i just love Portland I really do and it feels good to say that and um yeah we've been really really happy with our you know kind of decision to be here and yeah so I want to back up a little bit uh to to the how on earth was the the EP where you recorded you you did like an artist residency and that was that was on the the coast of of Washington so were you were you already were you already in Portland when you did that 
Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, we were already in Portland. I had heard uh, maybe just through following some other musicians here about that program and about that place in general, which is just really magical. And I've even gotten to go there over the past year and do like a live stream from their lodge. I mean, mm. they are so wildly supportive of musicians. Um, but one of their trailers, um, I think it's actually someone that, I think it's like a little cassette label called Curly Cassettes. Mm. Um, he, I believe, I forget his name. I'm almost positive that he was the one that kind of helped transform this old vintage Ford motorhome into a livable, uh, you know, space that has like built-in amps and a little piano. And um, so, yeah, I, I, on a, maybe on my like winter or, or spring break, I think winter break from teaching, I was out there for four or five days and, and wrote the majority of the songs that are on that EP that you mentioned and then played, you know, my first like solo show in over 10 years uh, to whoever was staying kind of in the space. And um, I, it was so scary and it was awful. And, um, but that having, again, that, that time and that space is kind of what like gave me a little bit of like, all right, well, like, here you go. You might as well keep going from here. Yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Well, what, what was the place? What's the what's the, the lodge called? It's called the Southwester Lodge. It's not too far from Astoria. So what's and it's like on this. Um, I think it's like the country's longest um, peninsula. Ah. Um, and it's like extremely Pacific Northwest feeling. It's yeah. Just like, yeah. Uh, and there's all of these old Airstream trailers that they've turned into places you can stay. And, um, you know, I, the, when I was there, obviously, you know, pre, pre-pandemic, so you can just, like, go into the lodge and put on records. And, like, there's, like, every Michael Hurley record you could ever want in there. And, like, I, as soon yeah. as I saw that, I was like, all right, I'm in the right place. You're, you're in the right place, yeah. <laughs> so you were coming out of bands, you know, you, you, you worked with Nassau, which was uh, a duo, right? And, and, you'd, and you'd had some other stuff. I'm curious if there was a decision uh, or, or what the decision was like to release records under, under your own name, uh, especially as somebody who writes about music and writes you know in general <laughs> uh was there any thought where I, I i guess i'm i'm just dancing around the idea of like compartmentalization and sure, whether or not sure whether or not you find that that's something that can be helpful or 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 what the decision process looked like for you just to say i'm gonna start putting out records under my name i, th- I think there's a lot of power in your name and, and it's like this weird thing. You like hear your name a lot or you introduce, you know, you say it out loud. And yeah. Sometimes if you really stop and think like Jeff, you know, like the sound of Jeffrey, you're like, whoa, that's, you know, if you, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think I, from afar kind of watched other artists, like maybe perhaps um, entering that phase, but like choosing a, a project name or and and sometimes and if you're involved in a lot of different things i I think it can just overall sometimes add to a sense of confusion for people um and so i I think part of it was wanting to avoid any confusion yeah um and at the same time it was really a moment of i i held a belief about myself for a long time that i i needed other people to create and the residency and with the encouragement of my wife you know for a long time I think I was finally able to get to a place where I was like no like you have the tools and you have the skills and I allowed myself yeah to kind of be like dude you're you're okay at this you know like you're yeah. at, uh and this is where you're starting from and you know you're not gonna be you know you know, don't get 10 steps ahead. This is where you are now. And I think all of that combined was just like, yeah, this feels really great to, um, a really great moment to, to say, you know, this is just my, my name. Um, yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah. 
you you on the new EP did most of these songs start off as uh, purely solo sketches? Because uh, uh, w- I mean, it's, it sounds to me like there are some. I mean, there's great rhythms and some great textures and stuff, but there does there does seem to be sort of like a core. Of, of of maybe you solo and then maybe it sort of extrapolates out and starts to involve the other the other guys and the other the other obviously Barry's some of his playing on the record you know it's just mind blowingly good um, <laughs> along with yours but yeah did yeah. did it start did it start like where you're at right now more or less yes so this is the basement of our apartment um, and so. Um, I think I wrote or started writing this collection of songs, like, or at least like the beginning nuggets of them pretty soon after you become the mountain came out. Um, and ultimately, um, that record was very much like a, um, band in the room record where we were able to just all be there. Right. And be looking at each other and, and pretty much live. Yeah. Um, and so going into this one, I knew that wasn't going to be a possibility. I, I wanted to have things. Um, and so when you're in that setting, um, you know, you want to have things. Right? I, I knew I wasn't going to get to like rehearse with them or, or have as much time for them to be like, hey, let's like change this or switch that up or, you know. Yeah. So I wanted to have things um, somewhat locked in. Um and then I, um, same studio uh, here here in town. Um, uh, I knew that I loved that experience of making you become the mountain, and I knew I was like, yeah, I want to keep this this group intact while also potentially starting to forge ahead on yeah. a couple of new concepts or, or sounds. Um, so I did the basic tracking with Ryan, like just me and him in the studio. Um, you know, partially that was like, um, to keep people safe, you know, partially was like, this is just, um, both Barry and Alex became like new dads over the course of the past year, year and a half. Um, yeah. So, um, and then it was cool. I, uh, with Barry, you know, I think I have like a couple photos or, or videos of it, but I would go, I would drive to his house, in Southeast Portland, sit on his deck. He would throw me like a really long headphone cable and he'd be tracking inside and I would just have a beer on the deck yeah. and be listening to him make beautiful pedal steel sounds and be like, yeah, try that, try that, you know? Uh, and that's kind of how we like, you know, whatever socially distanced our sessions. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to romanticize the pandemic, but I mean, that does sound kind of, that sounds kind of really, sounds kind of great in its own weird it was, way. It was great. So that's kind of how I approached it with Barry and with Alex. Um, I think maybe with Alex, like he did it more where he did like um, a few passes and would send them mm-hmm. and then we would get on Zoom and kind of be like, you know, talk through it a little more. What do you, what do you um, like? Yeah. What do you like about the EP format? I find that it's a, it can be an underrated uh, format, I think. I, I couldn't agree more. Um I somehow it seems like just by calling it an EP and like there's so many blurred lines between EP and LP these days or how many tracks and no, no one, I feel like everyone's like understanding of that is in very different places. And it's like a, I feel like kind of an archaic even like argument these days to be like, yeah, that means LP, but that means EP. Yeah. You know, yeah, Um, for sure. But, but that being said, I somehow calling it an EP makes it feel less pressure somehow. Yeah. I think. Um, And I just, and because of that, I really tried to view it as um, uh, a stepping stone and an opportunity for experimentation. Yeah. um, And, and questioning. And um, again, not, uh, not like, I'm not, not total like reinvention or anything, but just, uh, Hey, like where, like, where are you heading and, and working? Yeah. Uh, giving your, in, 
intentionally yeah and giving yourself some space to say like if this is uh, like a side detour a little bit that's okay Uh, because there's a little bit more a little bit more room for that a hundred percent well obviously you know you had already you've already put out a, a, a full length um album and and i wonder if the like do you do you think the LP format is something that like that's something that came up that I I ended up cutting out of the Oldham Sweeney interview because it was it was in some others and I didn't want to tread everybody else's territory so much but they they both have expressed they both expressed a little bit of a I don't know if people care about like what an LP is or whatever um but for me as a certain kind of listener it does still feel like an idea that I'm I'm not interested in letting go of, um, and I wonder if it's if it's similar for you. It is, um, and it's just a. It's hard to pinpoint, but it is just a different feeling that you get when you know you have just. Uh, taken in something through your ears that was so comprehensive and, and um, thoughtful. Yeah. And, um, and going back to um, the Sweeney thing, he, uh, when I spoke with him, he um, spoke about like that him and Will like have an audience in mind and that they're really, they're like, they really honor the fact that there's someone on the other end and, yeah. and they and that it's a real person that's mm-hmm. taking that in. And I think that's the reason why you make a LP. You right. know, that's that's why you think deeply about artwork and transitions and track order and um uh, and the players involved and and when you really really start to think about all that you're like yeah the lp is is it's like a it's beautiful you know um yeah 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 like there's something yeah there's something beautiful about a statement you know like a complete statement here's here's what i would like to say right now right and i've i've had this conversation where like i think there's also pressure that musicians feel to have to have this like mind-blowing story associated with a record and i think that's kind of silly like i think like but that's just because like it's just because of press stuff i think there's just like oh you have to like uh this record has to be your pandemic record or your whatever you know your breakup record or yeah i think that's i think that's kind of not cool i I don't like that there's that pressure um have you have you have you had to help with people's one have you done some one sheets in your day i've done a lot of one sheets yeah um i and for the and you know i've been someone that like as a writer have like i think previously for the most part like written my own bios yeah or or, you know and and that's cool because i feel like I don't know. I at least have the the skill set, like the hard skills. But for the first time recently, I like I think for this release, I um, work with someone um, to write to write my bio, and I just really appreciated like that he the way he approached it. Like we just had this really nice phone call, and and he just asked me some kind of guiding questions and things that I do or don't want included and and that was so nice i I hope more artists get to know what that feels like instead of like just all right this i don't know we already have someone we're gonna let write it and you're just gonna be okay with it or something you know i i think about that narrative thing that you're talking about and how there has to be a narrative with each what's the story of this record (laughs) yeah and the truth is on one hand that every record has like dozens of stories that are that are part of it you know um so sometimes it feels like you're doing a disservice to all the other stories by cutting them out to focus on the one that's going to help it sell best or whatever yes and then there's this other thing too which is the story is always we got the songs together and we made the album you know (laughs) and that doesn't people have found that i mean that doesn't well what is that but what who cares you know and and at the risk of sounding i don't want to 
I wouldn't hold all of my one sheets up as like examples of like brilliance or anything like that. <laughs> but I do, I am generally interested in trying to figure out what the story, though we got together and we built these songs and we, or we had an idea and, and we knew sort of a loose concept and this is where we did it and why we did it. That I don't know. I think that that usually can be a more interesting story than people sometimes give it credit for. Yeah. Without having this, this big narrative thing, like, the record is the the narrative. You like 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 we keep circling around that Super Wolves record, but let's yeah, face yeah. it, it's really really good. So it's easy to talk about. Um, but there's like the stories in those songs are you know ten times more interesting than than even the interesting story that is these guys had you know put out a record yep. sixteen years ago and it was great and now they now now they have to make another and, one or they chose to. And what's and if you think and what's cool about what you just said and, and that record and I think right, there's a lot of reasons why those two people together everyone wants to write about or talk about there's there's so but there's so much there's so like what yeah. I love what you're getting at in that there's so many stories and and so much to talk about that I think what's cool about like. I personally feel like that's an example where if you if you listen to your conversation with them or read it and then maybe you go to the Rolling Stone one, you're gonna get different stuff. Yeah. And I and and a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And I mean, part of that is just that those guys have such deep are such deep wells of of knowledge and experience that you can't you can't replicate you know, yeah. you can't fake you can't fake that, you know, by any means. Um but I think again, it's also because they they just care so much, you know. Yeah. Like, um, so, and I just think that's exciting, rather than like when you're getting maybe kind of like when you feel like you're getting blasted by the same album or something, and then you like keep checking it out in different spaces, but it's just the same. Yeah. Stuff, you know. So yeah. I think that I well, I want to ask a little bit about. Um, about Ted Lucas, who is oh, yeah, who, yeah. who is obviously a big a big hero of yours. When did when did you first when did you first hear the Ted Lucas record? Do you remember? You know, uh, I gotta give big big shout out to to Aquarium Junker there because oh. I found Ted Lucas's music on an Andy Cabic mixtape uh, from back go. in the day, and he's Andy is also definitely like a music uh, you know. Uh, hero of mine um, who I've been lucky enough to kind of like play shows with and, and kind of get to know and interview, you know, over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the best is this is great. That, that thing was yeah. it thing of the past or creature of the past. What was that? That yeah, EP. Thing, yeah. Yeah. There's, I think there's two, I think thing, thing of the past. I think there's two of them. Yeah. Um, the, but the, so those covers are um, what turned me on to to Michael Hurley and uh, a lot and uh, Elise Weinberg and oh yeah um, that Elise that Elise that I song. mean that song is like come on you know and you're like oh and Neil Young's on it like yeah you know yeah. Um, plugged straight into the mixing board didn't yes. even, didn't even have an amp just right into the yeah, mixing insane. board insane yeah um, so I I first heard a Ted song on their um, and it was just, I became pretty obsessed. And I don't know how long after that, the yoga records reissue happened, but it was, you know, it was definitely like a classic, like, oh, this record is just, there's not many of them. It's so expensive. So I was really happy when um, the yoga records reissue came out and the liner notes, I forget who wrote them for that one. Um were so impactful and just giving me a little bit more of a, of a snippet into Ted as a person. Yeah. Um, and my, um, my interest in him has, has grown deeper and deeper in my love for that record. And it's, it's one of those records that like, I want everyone to hear. I just want, you know, more than a lot of other records, like if any type of friend or person, I'm like, just, try this yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah and um but the the huge thing for me is that yeah like this notion that there was a point in time where he presented this like half instrumental half song record to the world and people said like that doesn't work right we can't process this we can't sell this 
Yeah. And so for me, as someone that really loves and, and writes both instrumental and song songs, I was like, no, that's the coolest part of this. Yeah. <laughs> that is like the coolest thing in the world to me that um, side A, right? More stunning folk songs, sure. side B, more instrumental, you know? Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, I, I've, the first thing that I want to ask yeah. is, 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 a slight tangent, but that's, sure. that's okay. We're going, de- we're, we're going, we're it. going detour. I love a tangent. How do you, how do you know when a song doesn't, how do you know when a song doesn't have words or doesn't have lyrics? <laughs> Is there a point in the composition for you where you, you know, what, what, what is it? What's the breakdown usually like? Where are the songs mostly done when you know that? Or do you sometimes know while you're making them? That's a, that's a great, question it it varies um i would say like there's kind of two parallel things happening for me at any given point there's like uh, more and more um just guitar ideas coming to me that i get down in a number of different ways and simultaneously i am someone that's like i don't like read a lot of poetry but i am i've always been drawn to songs with very few lyrics or just one lyric repeated yeah Um, and so i keep a really long running list of um two words that i think sound beautiful next to each other or very short phrases yeah um and sometimes i know that i have enough block or uh, sometimes it'll be more of a puzzle piece where i'm like oh those work well together other times I'll be like, man, I just love that one phrase. Um, yeah. And so it, it definitely varies. And I think um, as maybe I give the song itself a little more structure, I can. that's when I can start to envision um, a little better whether or not some of these uh, phrases will, will make their way. And they kind of have to like match the picture in my mind you know yeah so, yeah, yeah. so he, feeling i try to I, i've been trying that a little bit more when i'm like all right well if you're gonna do lyrics right like what's what's in your mind or what's even just like a color or a scene or something that you're trying to like paint that paint that picture yeah so, yeah so so hearing ted like for you it 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 did it feel almost like a like a now, permission sounds like the wrong word, but a little bit like to say, I don't have to pick between these two modes. I can, I yes. can do. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's more or less exactly what it was. Um, and yeah. And I just, uh, I just don't get tired of that record. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. It makes me think about that balance thing you're talking about though. And how, uh, uh, um, the, the freedom to be, um, uh, the, the freedom to do different things, to be a person who who does a thing, one thing, and then they also do another thing. Um, it all feels yeah. tied in, and it all feels it feels like that record offers a little bit of a of a semblance well, of that. And yeah, and and going off of that point, um, it's funny. Another person that represents that for me that I also discovered through being a long term aquarium drunkard reader is Pat Ament. Oh yeah. And, and Pat Ament, I mean, I mean, literally, I, I've used that interview as as kind of a guiding um, uh, light for me. Where you know he, he was known as this world famous, or at least I, I don't know, world renowned uh, rock climber. And when he started making albums, like all of his friends were like, "No, you are a rock climber." Yeah. Right. You are this. Yeah. So it was kind of laughable. Like no, you're you're not you know yeah, and th- and that record songs of Padment is like also one of my favorites and another great example of like you don't have to and he speaks to that in the interview he's like right. you, know, you don't basically that there is enough time in life to yeah pers- pursue things and that's something I've thought about a lot recently is just I don't know just this weird simultaneously feeling of like there is enough time and and there isn't well (laughs) like like there's enough time if you do it and then and then if you don't do it you run out of time because that's that's the way it works you know so yeah but but how did how did this this great 
uh, tribute to to Ted Lucas come together. How long is that idea? Did that idea was that a, a pandemic idea that sort of think, sort of rattling maybe, around? Maybe right around the beginning of that. I think I was posting about it, but maybe about that record and um, uh, Lou, who runs the record label Perpetual Doom, who who the comp is coming out on next week. Um, I don't know if he messaged me because he liked you become the mountain too. And, and we kind of just um, started messaging. Um, and, you know, Lou's got a great thing going on with that label. And I think he was interested. He was already working on another comp that I think that I contributed a song to. And then he was like, you know, if you would ever want to like curate, you know, a, a Ted thing. And I was just like, holy shit. I mean, if there was ever a record, I would want to do that for. Yeah. Um, it would be that one. So it was such a fun project. And um, I'm really happy that people will be able to hear it in full um, very soon. And again, such a, in a time where, you know, your community can had, could have felt dwindling. It was, another opportunity for me to kind of like build, build one yeah. and um, connect with other artists. And um, yeah, it was, I, I like that type of work and I, uh, I don't know. I hope perhaps it opens a door in that way where maybe I would do that, you know, um, in another setting or. Sure. Know, so yeah. Sure. In a way it almost has that feel like the, there's, it's 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 wide ranging in its in its scope you know it doesn't it doesn't it's not necessarily like any sort of recreation of of the ted lucas aesthetic which is great uh you know and it opens things up in such a such an interesting way but i i i was immediately the moment i think you told me about it the title popped into my head because it's like the most I mean, it's so easy when you know what you're doing. Like that's such a I don't know. I mean, it's kind of what it's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. And I think I think so. Yeah, right. Because yeah. the 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 and and the funny thing about it is like you can read that however you want, right? You can read his his. You could read it almost as like a, you know, it's no big well, deal. But in a weird way, it feels like it like it kind of is. It feels like it's like the secret. Like it feels like not well, not the well, secret. The uh the the manifestation thing not that but you know maybe i don't well, it's know it's just well it's just so funny right yeah when you say it out loud right it's so easy when you know what you're doing and you're like you're like oh yeah it, it absolutely is but like you don't often get to feel like you ever actually yeah know know or believe that you know what you're doing you know um yeah and so, and yeah. and maybe the only time it feels like you know what you're doing is when you aren't thinking at all about what you're doing you're just doing it and that is like the that's like i think really that's probably the that's really the key to to yeah and and those moments like you can sometimes they just happen other times you work for them or create spaces for that to happen and uh, it's you don't and yeah you don't notice it when it's happening and but when but you get but when you notice the feeling afterwards you're like ah wasn't that nice wouldn't that be nice to have that again yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and then you just have to let go of it and wait for it to happen just when it happens you know because 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 if you're trying to make it happen most of the time it won't happen that's the that's the it's it's the the trick yeah ted was on to something that's for sure um yeah he was he was right about a lot of stuff because it is also nice to get stoned so uh to be stoned um very much so well, but, but before we before we wrap up, I wanted to ask yeah. you've you've mentioned a little bit about running. What, oh yeah. What what kind of stuff do you like to listen to when you run? Do you do you te- do you tend to listen to podcasts or audiobooks or music or what's what sort of stuff works for you? Um, when I first started off running, um, so well, more and more recently, I don't listen to anything. Mm. Uh, I I've, um. I mean, especially if I'm doing like a, a group run, you know, I, obviously I won't have headphones in, but um, more and more, even when I go running for myself, I, I find it to be a, just like a really nice opportunity to just kind of like do more of that kind of like, you know, listening to whatever natural sounds are happening around me. And um, yeah, I find, and and because sometimes I'd also like, even when I'm like driving recently, I find myself 
certain days just not wanting to put music on right yeah. away. Yeah. Um, so more recently, I appreciate not having that. Um, if I am listening to music, I think it's also a really special moment to hear a record for the first time, mm. um, um, to kind of test run, you know, a record. Um, and it's really cool when you realize when there's like a great record, you know, for running or for the tempo that you yeah. prefer to run at. Um, and I actually think there's like, um, I was talking about this with, um, there's like a newer, a newer site uh, that where uh, he's focused a little bit more on that connection between running and music. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some cool like newsletters right now that I think are, are touching upon some of that too. Um, but I was right. There was like this short lived thing in Spotify where it would like change music based on how fast you were running. It didn't last very long. Yeah. Um, and but like, I still feel like there's like this gap in our world where like in regards to like finding better music for running, like it, it still feels like it's just this very like, uh, it's cool that it's kind of more just like, hey, what are, you know, just what do you listen to when you run? Yeah. Um, but there was, um, who is it? Um, more of like an ambient project, Bing and Ruth, do you know? Yeah. They, they did something where it was like you kind of uh, on their site, like plugged in how fast you were going to run and what distance. And then it would generate um, like a playlist for you. And I wow. thought that was cool because that was a little bit more like, oh, this would be music I'd be generally interested in anyway. Like the Spotify thing, it was like really like, I don't know, cheesy stuff or you know edm or something yeah so yeah it's always edm yeah. um <laughs> yeah uh but yeah and then there's a part of me that thinks about how kind of almost weirdly terrifying it would be to just like respond to the tracking that yeah. they're doing while you're going you know but <laughs> but i do think that like especially because i've i've long been interested in in um i'm interested in in you know new age music and 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 devotional music and things like that which do have utility use in addition to you know they're they're beautiful and I, and I love them so i i do i do wonder like who knows what kind of interesting things i i did one other interview today with with sarah louise and she was talking about how she loves records and she loves you know um making LPs and things like that but at the same time there's infinite possibilities now of how music might be presented and when I think about music you know it's it, it, it it's probably weird to have something that's specifically designed just for one purpose you know that's that feels yeah, maybe counterintuitive yeah. but at the same yeah, time that's a good point at the same time though I wonder like what kind of weird running stuff are we going to, you know, yeah. the, the more and more I, we integrate our, you know, listening devices with our bodies, I wonder. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed um, Bailey Elderberry, who's who did the artwork for You Become the Mountain mm. stuff. She's been posting some really awesome running specific playlists recently. So that's been that's been cool, too. That's something I've gone back to. Yeah. Have you have you ever test test driven one of your own songs on a run? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so far, for the most part, I think I'm a little a little too down tempo. I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, I uh, but uh, <laughs> I, maybe for a maybe for a walk. I don't know. Like, I've, yeah, yeah. I've I've walked listening to your record. I have yeah. not. I haven't. I haven't run I, and listening to it. Although I love the idea of it being a, a walking record. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about it, man. It's so much fun to connect. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, I know. It's so cool because I feel like we've been in touch in, in various capacities for quite some time now. So, yeah. And I, I was uh, thinking about it. I did before we got on. I was doing some yard work and listening to your record. And I was like, have we ever talked in person? I don't. I think. I we, think just emails. I think just like, emails. Just emails. Right. Because you because I think we connected when you read like the small sir 
piece, right? Um, for singles club and maybe even before that. My, yeah, yeah, Michael Michael Now, I think. Oh, you did the Michael Now. I think now I did the one. Michael That's, Now one. But that was great. A, that was so much fun. Yeah. Yep. He, yep. Um well, yeah, no, uh like I said, I just so appreciate, you know, what everything that, you know, you've got going on and, you know, in, in the aquarium junkard universe. So uh, this is a big, big one for me. So thank you. Well, well, it's, it's, it's our pleasure to have you on and, yeah. uh, and we appreciate it. Um, so we'll, we'll talk again soon. Cool. All right, man. All right, dude. going to bring this bonus episode to a close thanks for listening i'm jason p woodbury i write host and produce transmissions audio editing by andrew horton sarah goldstein and jonathan mark walls produce visual work for the show and justin gage is our top of the show announcer and executive producer Uh, we normally air on wednesdays so we'll be back uh, very soon uh, wherever you get podcasts. Our next episode features Ben Chasney of Six Organs of Admittance. I hope you will listen in. Until then, be well, and we will speak again soon. Thanks for tuning in. From, from body to out of body. What is an out of body experience? Well, uh, an out of body experience is a state of being, a state of awareness, a state of action, uh, separate and apart from the physical body. Uh, about 25% of the population throughout the world, I guess, uh, has this spontaneously take place that they're aware of uh, at least once in their lifetime. No, but what, 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 what happens? What happens? Well, what happens is that uh, you as an individual uh, suddenly find yourself, for one reason or another, apart from your physical body and that you